good to see you this morning. Uh, I get to introduce our speaker this morning. Uh, Dr. Kevin Gandy uh, is a professor over at Dallas Theological Seminary in the uh, Educational Ministries and Leadership Department. That's actually, I took a class by him and, and uh, you know, he did a great job in there. That's where I got to know him a little bit. Uh, but he's got a couple of master's degrees uh, from DTS, one in cross-cultural missions, another in theology. And uh, he got his PhD from DBU in organizational leadership. So he kind of eats and sleeps and breathes uh, leadership studies and uh, what that looks like in an organization. So we're actually, he's one of the people who are going to come out to uh, our Ascent Conference and speak uh, for our leaders and our volunteers. Uh, So we're excited about that. Um, Kevin actually has 15 years of pastoral experience as well uh, as a church planner, as a pastor um, out in California and Texas, uh, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Albania, uh, England. He's been all over the place. And uh, he loves to travel. If you fancy yourself a traveler, Kevin has been to over 76 countries at this point in five continents, okay? You can often find him, uh, you know, just heading off to Peru or wherever just to, you know, work on a leadership paper and just set up office there. So he's all over the place. Um, but you know what's crazy, what really is, uh, is really nuts is that he's my age and he's fit all of this lifetime of experience in here and he still has hair. It, I, yeah. Anyway, uh, but you know, I, I love this guy. He's, he's relatable. He's fun to hang out with. And um, I know that God's going to speak through him today. I already got to hear it once. So I'm excited for you uh, to hear him. Would you welcome up Kevin Gandy? Thank you so much, Daniel, for that very kind introduction. And yes, I have hair for now, uh, you know, hopefully for the long haul. But uh, I, I'm, I look young. And so, um, I, you know, I know sometimes I step into a classroom and people are like, oh, you're the professor, you know. And so I, I, the other day I tried growing out a beard to see if maybe that would help. And it actually came in partly white. So I was like, okay, I can't do this. So, uh, so Daniel, you know what? I may have a little hair, but I have a white beard apparently. So. Um, but anyway, good to be with you. My name is Kevin Gandy. I'm excited to be able to uh, hang out with you guys. I actually, I'm loving Hillside. First time out here. I think it's actually my first time to Keller. I live in downtown Dallas, so I don't ever really go past Loop 12. But, um, but it's really fun to be out here. Beautiful part of Dallas-Fort Worth. And, uh, and I'm loving Keller, but I'm loving Hillside. Here's why. Because you guys have some amazing coffee uh, some churches just have some like overheated like uh, Folgers. You guys have some amazing like coffee from a local roaster. And you have the best uh, greeters in all of Fort Worth, I think, because your greeting team is next none. So yeah, give these guys a hand for great work. I, I came in and they were chatting me up like they knew me forever. So uh, well done, Hillside. But anyway, I'm excited to get to preach uh, here at Hillside this morning. Uh, get to hang out with you and, uh, and serve with you this morning. Also, welcome online if you're sitting at home in your PJs or just, you know, driving to work sometime this week or, you know, on the treadmill. Awesome. Uh, welcome to you guys as well. Uh, before I came to a professor at Dallas Seminary, I served at a church in Los Angeles uh, in the L.A. area, a little town called Glendora, and uh, planted a church out there uh, called Real Life L.A. And, uh, and I was kind of a pastor of ministries, so I, did, I basically did everything that the senior pastor didn't want to do, um, which was uh, middle school, 
high school, um, young adults, and basically all the way to, uh, to, to senior adults. So I oversaw sixth grade through death. Um, was my sort of ministry area at church. And so, and I loved it because, you know, on any given day I could have like, you know, I could have, um, you know, some tacos with sixth graders and then some not tacos with senior adults. So um, it was great. And I loved my job out in LA serving in ministry there. But one of my favorite things about serving in LA was getting to take our middle schoolers to winter camp every year. Uh, How many of you are a middle schooler? Big shout out to you guys if you're in middle school. They're not the ones raising their hands because they're trying to blend into the seat. But uh, I would always love taking our middle schoolers out to winter camp. We would take them to a camp called Forest Home, which if you know anything about uh, Billy Graham, that's actually where Billy Graham became, uh, began his ministry. That's where he felt called by Jesus to actually go and become the evangelist that he was. So kind of a cool place out in California. So uh, we would always, you know, have a bunch of cars lined up and we'd take like 60 or 70 middle schoolers out to Forest Home. And, and there was just nothing like, you know, you jump in the car with a bunch of seventh grade boys and then you, uh, you start to merge onto the 210 freeway and then you hit traffic. Uh, Because, you know, L.A. is known for its traffic. And then you would sit in traffic for like an hour while they went on and on and on about things that middle school boys talk about. And so anyway, eventually that would end. Uh, Thank thank you, Jesus. And and then you get out and and you see the San Bernardino uh, Mountains ahead of you. And in the rear view is kind of the the sun setting over L.A. And you would see the Pacific Ocean in the background. And it was just a beautiful thing. I look forward to it every single year because I knew that then in a few minutes we were going to be at Forest Home and we would be, you know, going on the zip line and we would be doing worship and we'd be sitting by campfires and we'd talk about Jesus with all these rowdy middle schoolers and having like dance parties up on stage and and we would always have kids that would follow Jesus and I loved it it was my favorite time of year but if you ever been to winter camp uh there's uh sorry and we, by the way we did actually get winter in Southern California if you're like Southern California you guys do winter camp we did it's just like 45 degree weather. And that was, you know, kind of how we celebrated was the fact that it's slightly cooler than LA. Um, but we would, uh, we would go to winter camp. There's two big enemies of every youth pastor at winter camp. Do you guys know what they are? Shout out a few things that are like super annoying about going to camp with middle schoolers. So this is going to be an interactive. So if you don't say anything, this can be really awkward. Diarrhea. Diarrhea. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't, I don't actually know if kids have diarrhea. Okay, uh, other things. Deodorant, no deodorant. I heard something over here. Girls, purple, noise. Keeping them together or not together. What else? Bedtimes. Yep. Gossip, drama, tea. Okay, all right. I'm not hearing the ones that I think are the worst. Those are all good, though, all right? So, yeah, there's always sort of, there's always drama at middle school camp, and I hate that. But that's not my least favorite. So I would say the two worst things for every youth pastor at, at winter camp are taco night. Taco night, I don't know why they do this at winter camp. They're like, let's lay out the beans and the burritos and all the things. And then who has to go back with these kids to the cabin where then they blow up a toilet all night long, right? Horrible idea. Least favorite thing on the planet, taco night. And the other one is illness. So one year we went to winter camp and, and I will never forget a kid named Robbie. Robbie is permanently ingrained in my mind. Do you want to know why? Because Robbie came to winter camp sick. 
and I knew he was sick when he checked in, and I was like, Robbie, are you feeling all right? No, I'm good, Kevin, I'm good. Robbie, you look horrible. No, I'm fine. Okay, are you sure you're not sick? No, I'm good. And he, of course, passed the medical check, flying colors. Next day, the kid's throwing up, flu-like symptoms, right? Bullets coming down of sweat, had a fever, was at the nurse's office. Well, what do you think happens after Robbie experienced this in this tiny little cabin where the heat's blowing, right? Everybody gets it, right? So illness just went rampant. We had to send an entire cabin worth of kids home off the mountain because Robbie, okay, Robbie. Love Robbie. He's, a made, he's made in the image of Jesus. But Robbie got everybody sick at winter camp. Even me. Even I went home sick after a while because I was like, I'm done with this sickness, right? Sickness ran rampant through our group and it was a horrible experience, right? Nobody likes getting sick. Today, we're going to actually talk about a group of people in the Bible who had an illness that was way worse than taco night at winter camp and way worse than Robbie's sickness in our cabin where he was puking his guts out and throwing up and running a fever. Today, we're going to talk about a disease called leprosy. Everyone say leprosy. Okay, you guys have got to keep, keep rolling with me because I'm going to have you talking. So leprosy. We're going to look at 10 men who had a disease called leprosy. So turn to me to Luke chapter 17 if you have a Bible. If you're like, you know what, I have my old school Bible with me, just flip right over to Luke chapter 17. If you're like, I don't know where Luke is. It's in the New Testament. And it's several books into the New Testament. It's one of the, the letters about Jesus' life. And we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 17. If you have a Bible app or your iPad, just go ahead and open up the Bible app. Luke chapter 17 is where we're going to be today. So Luke chapter 17, while you're turning there, let's pray as we prepare to open up God's word. Lord Jesus, as we open up the text this morning, may we gratefully receive it. May we clearly understand it. And may we faithfully apply it to our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. All right, so read with me Luke chapter 17, verse 11. This is the word of the Lord. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. How many? One, right? Came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Just put that little nugget in your back pocket. We're going to come back to that part later. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? So he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today we're going to look at three Ps. Every story has what I call three Ps. There's a few more, but we're just going to cover three because you don't want me to go on to four or five, six or seven. You're like, I've got to get to lunch, right? So we're going to cover three Ps of this story. We're going to look at plot, people, and purpose. Plot, people, and purpose. Those are going to be our three Ps that we cover today. So plot, people, and purpose. We're going to dive into our first P. We're going to look at plot. Everyone say plot. Plot is essentially what goes on in the story. So we've just read the story, so let's dive in just a little bit deeper and look at the plot. Jesus is on a journey. Where is he? 
He is heading there, and he is actually passing by where? Samaria and Galilee. So he's on the border between these two, two regions, and as he goes, he's approaching different villages along the way. Well, Jesus does a lot of walking and a lot of ministry and a lot of movement, and so he's constantly going in and out of villages, and as he approaches this village, he comes up to a group of who? Lepers. How many are there? Ten, right? There are ten lepers, and they stand at a distance. Now, what's this deal with leprosy? 2022, we don't really deal with this. You know, we deal with COVID. We deal with, you know, pneumonia. We deal with flu. We deal with all sorts of illnesses. And leprosy is not generally found. Am I, anybody ever had leprosy in here? Probably not. Okay, so leprosy is this sort of really, really contagious disease that you generally kind of start on your arms or your legs, on your limbs. You get these little tiny red dots. And then the little red dots begin to multiply. And then you're like, okay, yeah, I have chicken pox. It's fine, you know. Well, nope, this gets worse. So then those red dots begin to merge with other red dots, and then they begin to sort of boil over. So now your entire arm is sort of one big red patch, and then your legs, and then your, your torso. And then before you know it, these, these boils are now covering all of your skin. And then they begin to ooze, right? Everyone say ooze. Ooze. Yeah, it's such a weird word, right? They begin to ooze, and then they begin to get real, like, moist, and that's also a weird word, right? And this just gets messy, so we won't keep going on. But um, these lepers, right, after time, they begin to lose feeling. They begin to lose sensations. So then they begin to realize that, oh, I just got, like, hit in the arm with something, and I didn't even feel it. Or, oh, my gosh, I, I suddenly don't have sensation in my legs. And so I've, as time goes on, their leprosy gets worse, and they eventually will die. But when this happens, they go to a place in quarantine. Now, today when we quarantine, you know, you go to the doctor and, like, oh, you have COVID, and they're like, oh, you got a quarantine. And, you know, today's quarantine is I go home and play Xbox or watch Netflix or sort of my mom brings me, you know, sandwiches, things like that. This is not how it happens in leprosy. When you go into quarantine as a leper, you're, like, cast out of the village, Right, so imagine, you know, you live here in Keller, and them going, hey, you got to, I don't actually know what's north of here. Roanoke? Is that north of here? You got to go to, is that right? Roanoke? Okay, you got to go up there, and then further until you hit the bush, right, where there's like nothing. And you're just going to live up there. And you're never going to see your family again. You're never going to see your kids again. You're never going to see your spouse again. And good luck. That's what they would say. And, they, and so they'd put all the lepers in these kind of concentration camps of lepers and wait for them to die. Super sad. Super horrible, right? And anytime somebody would, would approach, you would have to sort of call out, hey, I'm a leper, which is, makes it very ironic that in verse 13, what do they say to Jesus? They call out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us, right? So the laws requires them to say, hey, I'm a leper, don't come near, right? Because if you come near, you're going to get the disease. So they, their law would say you have to call out leper. They don't do that. They say, Jesus, master, help us. And here's my question. I don't know about you. I mean, I have a lot of questions. So one of my big questions is, why Jesus? Right? What was it about Jesus that made them go, you know what? Instead of calling out leper and just hoping the person maybe hands me a glass of water, why would I yell out, have mercy on me, heal me. There had to be something about Jesus that made them go, this is the guy that I want to reach out to. 
Um, a couple of years ago, I was serving at a uh, kids' camp in England, about three hours outside of London, out in the southwest part of the country. Um, I'll be out there in a couple of weeks, right before your Ascent Conference. Uh, I've been going for years, and so this, this camp uh, is a big part of my ministry and a big part of my heart, going to serve with these kids in England. And, uh, and so we'll, we don't do taco night there, because they don't do tacos in England. Thank Jesus, right? No, ta- no tacos in England. Um, but I was in, I was in this sort of group, and we they set up, you know, instead of having cabins, they have these like tents on the on the lawn of this kind of boarding school. It's really cool. Um, but I was with my co-leader, and we were the group of like ten nine-year-olds, and we're in this tent, and we're we're doing our quiet time, talking about Jesus, talking about the Bible. And I'll never forget this kid raising his hand in, in a British accent. I won't do that because I don't speak British accent. But uh, he, him, him raising his hand and going, Kevin, a uh, quick question. Who's this guy that you keep talking about? And I thought he was referring to just some like minuscule character in the Bible, but he was talking about Jesus. And he was like, you keep talking about this guy named Jesus. Who, who's Jesus? And here I was, 23-year-old, like, southern kid from North Carolina, right, going to school at Dallas Seminary, having spent my entire life in the Bible Belt. I don't know about you. I mean, many of you probably lived here a long time, right? You get what I'm talking about. We're from the Bible Belt. You go to the cafe. You go to a restaurant. You go to Chili's. You go wherever. You say, hey, do you know something about Jesus? People are going to go, yeah, 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 at least heard of Jesus. This kid had never even heard of Jesus. And so here I am, seminary, being seminary trained, and I was like, I let this nine-year-old just stumped me about who Jesus is because I was literally speechless. I'm like, what? you don't know Jesus? I mean, it's, it's Jesus, right? Like, how do you not know this guy named Jesus? Please tell me that somebody's at least just said the name. Nope, it had nothing. And so here I am explaining to a nine-year-old in a different country about this guy named Jesus. And I'm like, well, okay, here, let's go. So I'm going back to the basics. Here's what he did. Here's why he came, blah, blah, blah. And we're talking about Jesus. And the kid just like, cool, right? And I'm like, well, what do you think? And he was like, well, I think if he's as cool as you guys, speaking about us as the leaders, he's like, if he's as cool as you guys, then I'm, I'm cool. It sounds like a great guy. I'll follow him. I'm like, I think you missed the point, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, I, I, I mean, I like myself too, but I mean, I'm not Jesus, right? But it was a really endearing moment for me to, to, to go, well, there must have been something about us as his leaders that made him go, well, if you're kind of like Jesus, then I would like to be like Jesus too. And it was a good reminder to me that you and I reflect something, I reflect something, you reflect something. When somebody has a conversation with you on the football field or in a coffee shop or at work or at home or wherever you are, you're reflecting something either of yourself or of the world or hopefully of something greater and hopefully you reflect Jesus. That's what we are called to do as Christians. The Center for the Study of Global Christianity at Gordon-Conwell actually just released some data uh, this year, 2022, about sort of the state of Christianity in the world. See, today it's really easy for us to go, you know what, Christianity's on the decline, our churches are dying, our churches are, are, you know, we're losing people, and people are walking away from the faith. A lot of churches are moaning about this sort of thing. I hear all the time from seminary students, right? Now, that's true to some degree in America. The modern church in America is actually on the decline. But when you look at the world overall, thankfully, that is actually not true. The opposite is actually true. So while the church may be declining in the United States, it's actually exploding in other places. 
Uh, so here's what they said. They actually said that there will be 2.56 billion people in the middle part of 2022. So that's right now, 2.56 billion. They say by 2050, it'll actually be 3.33 billion, right? Almost another billion more people will be a part of the Christian faith by 2050. That's their prediction. Because they recognize that there's two fast-growing groups of Christians right now. Do you know who they are? Evangelicals and Charismatics. It's the two fastest-growing groups in the world right now. Evangelicals and Charismatics are the two fastest-growing Christian groups. And here's why. In 1900, the world's population was 54% unevangelized. You know what that number is today? 28%. 28% of the world today is unevangelized. This is huge news for us that are so used to the church going, ah, people are leaving the church, right? That around the world that the church is actually taking off and growing, particularly in the global south and in places where the gospel is sort of shut down, that's where the church grows the fastest, So this is huge news for Christians, that that Christianity is actually growing. Why is this so important? Because Christianity is contagious. Jesus is contagious. And this is such an important part of our story today to realize that just like leprosy is contagious, so is Christianity, and so are you. Is your life contagious with the gospel of Jesus Christ? If you can't think of the last time that you had a conversation about Jesus with somebody, and I'm not talking about like one of those weird conversations like, do you know where you're going when you die? Not that, right? More of just a, hey, you know, tell me about what's going on in your life. Do you bring up Jesus in natural conversation? If you can't remember the last time you did that, it might be worth asking, to what degree are you contagious with Jesus as well? And that's what we do when we follow Jesus. We become contagious, which brings us to our second P. And this is people. Everyone say people. All right, hopefully you guys are still with me. People, right? Who are the people in the story? Shout them out. Who are our characters? Lepers. How many lepers? Ten. Who else? Jesus, of course. Who else? Disciples. Yeah, we, they're actually, are they mentioned in the passage? So we're doing some inferring, right, that they're probably around somewhere in the sidelines. Yep. Okay, what else? And the priest, right? So we have a priest, we have 10 lepers. How many of them are Samaritans? One that we know of, right? We don't get a lot of detail here, but we know that nine are probably Jewish and one of them is a Samaritan. We'll talk about that in a minute, right? Here's the deal. We've looked at our people, right? These are sort of the main characters in this story. Let's focus on that one. So in verse 14, Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest, right? Why would he do that? Well, in Leviticus 13, it says that when you have leprosy, you had to go show yourself to the, pl- to the priest, and if the priest declared you clean, you could resume your place in society. You could leave the leper colony and return to life, right? And that's what nine of them do, right? Nine of them go home, and they celebrate, right? And they don't come back and say anything to Jesus. And sometimes we look at this passage and we're like, they're so ungrateful, right? These people are horrible. They're the worst. These nine men, I mean, Jesus has saved them. Jesus made them free. They're no longer lepers. I mean, imagine if you were cast out of your society because you had these oozing, moist, gross, red bumps all over your body, right? This would be a pretty horrible thing for you, right? In fact, it was so horrible that a lot of times lepers would be sleeping by a fire, And there's stories of them rolling into the fire. Okay, go with me here. Can you imagine rolling into a campfire? How many of you go camping? 
Okay, yeah, lots of hands in here, right? Imagine setting a fire and then you rolling into it in the middle of your sleep. You would probably know, right? Well, a lot of times these lepers wouldn't know. So the other people would start smelling burning flesh and they would wake them up and go, dude, you're on fire, right? Like, this would be a horrible lifestyle. And they're hanging out, and this is what's happening. I know these are really gross images, but I'm just painting a picture for the, the horrible nature of living life as a leper. Now, for these nine, suddenly they're clean, and they're, they're healthy, and they have their regular skin back. They're going to go running for their house to hang out with their wife, right, who they haven't seen. They're going to hang out with their kids. They're going to hang out with their friends. It's going to be like a giant reunion. So I honestly don't blame the nine, you know. They might have forgot to go back and say thank you to Jesus because they're so excited that they're going home. But one man does come back, and he's a Samaritan. And if you know anything about Samaritans, the Samaritans were sort of considered half of what a Jew was. Samaritans were sort of half-breeds in the society of that time period. They were seen as sort of second-class citizens, not as good as the Jews, because they were sort of a mixed race of Jewish and non-Jewish people. And so a lot of times they get the flack as somebody that doesn't belong, a foreigner, compared to the Jews. And so when Jesus heals this man, this is significant, right, that Jesus heals him that he goes and he comes back to Jesus and he says, thank you for healing me, right? And what does Jesus say to him? Jesus says, he says, rise and go. Your faith has made you well, right? The man who, who's not even a Jewish believer had enough faith in Jesus as a Samaritan to not only believe that Jesus could heal him, but also to go back and thank him. This is such a pivotal moment. In the Old Testament, to be a follower of God, you had to be a Jew. But in the New Testament, Jesus came along and said, it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. Galatians 3, in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized in Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor, nor Gentile, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus just like the Samaritan and the Jews were one in Jesus in this story. But the Samaritan man comes back and says, thank you. So let's imagine that they were doing sort of a post-game inter- interview, right? You know, think after the Super Bowl. They always have an interview with somebody on the field. Imagine that like a year later, they're having an interview with these lepers, and they're like, hey, tell me about your life. And they're like, well, you know what? I actually went home and, and hung out with my wife and hung out with my kids, and it was awesome. And then we had, you know, barbecue, and, and it was great, and it wasn't my skin. It was, you know, me. And so, any <laughs> horrible joke. But um, they're talking about all the great things they did, right? And everyone's like, yeah, that's so great that you were healed. And, and imagine they ask him the question, what was the greatest day of your life? For most of those men, it probably was the day that Jesus healed them, right? I mean, it's pretty safe to say. But I would guess for that one Samaritan man, he might reply something a little different. He might have said, the greatest day of my life wasn't just the day that I was healed of my leprosy. It was the day that I met the man who healed me of my leprosy. That's the difference between the nine Jews and the one Samaritan man. The greatest day of his life was meeting the man who could heal him of his leprosy. And Jesus can also heal you. That brings us to our third P. And the third P is purpose. Everyone say purpose. 
purpose. You're like, okay, Kevin, why are you here at Hillside? Guest preacher talking about the weirdest possible topic known to man, leprosy, right? Like, good question. It just, you know, came to me in the middle of the night. I want to talk about leprosy in my sermon. (laughs) The purpose here is that we recognize that this is a really horrible condition, right? When we think about leprosy, this is a really nasty disease. I don't want leprosy, and I would imagine many of you probably don't want leprosy. So we think about leprosy, this can be a really difficult thing to consider. So leprosy was highly contagious, but the key about leprosy is that it started out small, right? I said earlier, these little tiny bumps, and I'm sure a lot of people were like, oh, that's weird, you know, I got some chicken pox. But then later on, it grows, and it grows, and it grows before it eventually takes over their whole skin, and then it takes over their whole life, and then it takes over their central nervous system, and the next thing, they're rolling into fires, and then the next thing you know, they're dead. That's a huge analogy for sin. Sin in our life always starts small. And here's the deal about sin. Sin and disobedience begin to grow and it begins to take root and it begins to go deep into us. And then it begins to tell us lies and it begins to put labels on you and me. You and I walk around with lies and labels every single day. And so I want you to consider that this jar represents your life. Right? Think of this nice glass jar as your life, right? Very beautiful. So your, your life, you know, from a very small age, generally, sometimes, will start to apply labels. So as we enter into the world from a young age, people begin to tell us things like, do that, do this, right? Don't do this, don't do that. Hang out with this person. Don't hang out with that person, right? They're the worst, uh, you're not skinny enough. You're not, you know, fat enough. You're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough, rich enough. You don't have the right job. Do this job. Do that job, right? Like, go to this school. Go to that school. I mean, it's just ongoing. Think about the things that people say to you all the time, some hurtful, some not. But we're all given labels, you know? You're not enough. You're worthless. Or you don't have enough money, or you're not, you don't have it all together. You're just wasting your life. I mean, like it or not, people say this to us every day. These are labels. And then we, have, we just have sin in our life as well. Well, you know what? I'm just going to cheat on that exam. I mean, it, it's just an exam. I'm just going to text my friend. They'll send me the answer key. Sin, right? I'm just going to, you know, fudge the numbers on that report at work. Or, oh, I'm just going to tell my, my wife something that's not true. Or, or I'm just going to do this. Or I'm just going to do that. Or I'm just going to have that drink. Or I'm just going to, it just continues on and on. And before we know it, sin and labels grow. And when we look at our life, we see that our life is full of sin and labels, I want you to consider what labels might be in your life. Certainly, people put labels on me. Certainly, there are things in my life that are sinful and go against God. And that's what happens when we follow the ways of the world. When we follow the world, we have lies and labels and sin all the more. But how do we get the world out when it begins to overcome us. Because just like these lepers, they also had some labels. In fact, let me add a few for our leper friends. Leprosy was quite a bit of label for these guys, right? You're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. You're not, you're not capable of living in our, in our society more because you have this disease. Think about what it would have been like living as a leper. 
And then we consider today what it's like to live with all sorts of lies and labels in our society today. I don't know if it's any different. We all carry them. And so if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, my jar is quite full, there might be some of you that are thinking that. And I want you to know that you're not alone. Right? We all have heavy, full jars. And sometimes this looks like our life. Some people may be telling you you're not good enough or you're not worth it. And I want you to know that you're not alone. If you're sitting here today and you're feeling abandoned or cast out or, or, or cast out into your own life, doing your own thing, and people aren't giving you the time or the energy or the effort, or you're feeling like you're abandoned, or you're feeling a little bit like you've got leprosy maybe in your life just because whatever's going on has become a lot, I want you to consider this jar. How do we get the world out? Sometimes we've let the world define our life rather than letting God define our life. So how do we get the world out? Well, we have to get the word in. We have to begin to pour the word into our life. So a lot of times we, we, we go to the Bible and we go, okay, I'll, I'm going to dive into the Word a little bit. So I'm going to open up my Bible and I'm going to read it. And, and I, I talk to a lot of young adults. I have lots of coffees with young adults every day. They're like, I don't, I don't know how to read my Bible. And I'm like, it's just opening it, right? Did you, did you open it? Did you open it and actually begin to read? And they're like, yeah. Like, okay, how much? Well, I mean, I read a little bit for like a day. Okay. It didn't really do anything. Or, you know what, I read for like a week or like a month. It, it, nothing happened, Kevin. Or, you know what, I prayed to God. It just, nothing, it's, I don't hear God. I'm praying. I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying. But nothing is happening. And this is what we do as Christians when we think that praying or reading our Bible or following Jesus is just a Sunday thing. Well, I went to Hillside at church on Sunday. Oh, I went to my small group last week, you know, but nothing's changing. Nothing's, nothing's actually changing in my life. It's because we're treating it like it's a one-time show or like it's just a season in our life. But if we keep at it every day, recognizing that God of the universe is saying, I want you to pour me in. I want you to read. I want you to, 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 to sit in my word, to meditate on my word to hear that you are chosen, you are called, you are worthy, you are gifted, you are God's child, you are loved, you are a royal priesthood, you belong. We begin to see the lies and the labels fall off. But we can't just give up. We can't just stop pouring when we start to see a little bit of success, where we start to go, okay, I'm starting to see some things work out in my life. A lot of times we stop. We have to keep going. We have to keep pouring in and we have to watch these things begin to dissipate. We have a little bit of a blockage. There we go. And as, we, as they begin to flow to the surface, we have to keep pouring in. Notice that I'm emphasizing the fact that we can't just stop giving up. We have to keep pouring. We have to keep going. And as we do, we begin to see these lies in these labels. They begin to dissipate. And some will remain. Right? Some are still floating on the top because here's the deal. We're not going to just see sin re- be removed from our life immediately. Right? We're not going to just see these labels fall away immediately. In fact, this won't, you won't be completely free of this stuff until you get to heaven. Right? One day when Jesus comes back, then we'll see these things go away. But until then, we can pour in Jesus. We can pour in his word and his love, and his mercy. And you know what happens when the labels come? Because they're going to still come. There's still going to be people that tell you you're not good enough or you're not worthy enough. They're just going to sort of float off the surface. They're not going to go deep 
like they did before. And that's what happens when we fill our life with Jesus. And so I want you to consider, how are you filling your life? We can fill it with the things of the world. We can fill it with the things that the world wants us to fill it with. I can find all sorts of stuff to fill my life with. But if I'm not filling my life with Christ, then I'm going to find myself full of junk of the world. And one day, one day I'm going to wake up and go, what was the point of all that? And so I would encourage you to consider this in your life. If there's something in your life that's holding you back from God, I would consider asking yourself, have I spent time with Jesus recently? Have I spent time in the word recently? Have I spent time praying to God recently? Do I have a relationship with the God of the universe? I'll close with a story about a guy named Father Damien. Father Damien was a Jesuit priest who served in a a leper colony in the 1800s in Hawaii. And Father Damien did not have leprosy, but he went into the leper colony and he bandaged their wounds and he fed them food and he, he, he fed them uh, and, he, and he nursed them back to health and he was constantly giving them medication, and, but he was also building coffins. He built over 2,000 coffins for lepers to die in. And he spent time with them and he hung out in their homes and he hung out in their garden and he hung out with them and he spent time with them and he, he had conversation with them. He even drank out of the same pot as them. And one day he stood up to give a, a sermon, a very famous sermon, and he, and he started the sermon by saying, we lepers, because he had truly identified himself as a leper. Father Damien was not a leper. But because he spent time with lepers, he eventually became one of them. And that's what Jesus does for you and me. Jesus was God of the universe who came down to heaven, and he was not a human being in the sense that we were, we're full of sin and evil. He came with flesh and bone, right? Jesus came in the flesh. He was human in the fact that he had flesh and he had bones and he had blood, but he was also God of the universe. He was 100% man and 100% God. Weird combination, I know, but when Jesus came to earth, he was a little different than us because he was God. But when you look at his life, who did he hang out with? People, average people like you and me, and he spent time with them, and he identified with them, and then he died for them, and he died for you, and then rose again so that you and I could receive eternal life. If today you have never said yes to Jesus, maybe today, what better day than today to say, I surrender my life to the king of the universe. I want to meet the man who can help me cure whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe today you're like, you know what? I've been far from God. You know what? I'm a little rusty. I'm a little dry. I'm a little dried up. There's lots of stuff going on in my life and I need more Jesus in it. Today would be a great day to say, you know what? I'm gonna start tomorrow and the next day and the next day I'm gonna get in community. There's people outside who would love to plug you into a life group, love to plug you into a small group. Here at Hillside, we have community groups just for you or counseling groups or care groups. There is a place for you to plug into, for you to find community in a daily rhythm of pouring Jesus in. You're not doing this alone. And so I'm gonna pray. And maybe if that's you, you just pray along with me. That you can say yes to Jesus today 
or say yes to Jesus again. So I'm going to pray for us, and then I will get off stage. So let's pray. Uh, God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this place, and we thank you for Hillside. We're grateful for an opportunity to come and worship and to gather. Lord, there are places around the world where people don't enjoy that freedom and long for that opportunity. And so here this morning, Lord, we say we don't take it for granted. God, we know that there's plenty of things in our life that separate us from you. But thankfully, God, we have you who sent your son as our forgiver, as our redeemer, and as our Lord. And so, God, if there's somebody here today who's never said yes to Jesus, I just pray that they would pray, Lord, come into my life. Come and be a part of my life. I surrender myself to you. Make me whole. Make me healed. Make me into a child of the living God. Lord, I pray that for those of us who are maybe struggling with things or in our life, think lies, labels, things that are holding us back, Lord, we just pray that, God, may you take hold of those things. May you remove those things from our life. Lord, may you strengthen us in your word and in your grace and in your mercy to know that you are our king. And God, for those who are faithfully walking with you every day, I pray that they would continue And I pray that they would be um, just faithfully driven because you are a God and you are our guide. You are a Messiah that wants to walk with us every single day. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would draw near to us as we seek to draw near to you. Lord, I pray for for my friends in this room who are feeling uh, empty. Lord, may you fill us up. Lord, and those, those of us who are feeling full of your grace, may you give it abundantly more. We pray this in Jesus' name.